Rule 62, Episode 3. It's time for the Share Recovery Podcast, where we bring you amazing life-changing success stories from addicts and alcoholics all over the world who share their inspiring journey in recovery. And now, here's your host, O. Welcome to another episode of Rule 62. Today we have three special guests with us, my good friends Barbara, Melissa, and my beautiful wife, Marcella. And the topic today is going to be spirituality versus religion. But first, a message from our sponsor. Sober Nation is the largest online recovery community and treatment resource center. They provide treatment resources to those struggling with addiction, as well as to the family members who are caught in the crossfire. On top of that, Sober Nation is a huge community of good people who share their experience with each other. They have informative content, recovery and addiction news, as well as an entire clothing line which helps expand the culture of recovery. They can easily be found at www.SoberNation.com. Sober Nation is putting recovery on the map. And also just a quick announcement, the Recovery Elevator and That Sober Guy podcast, along with the Share podcast, will be doing a collaboration panel episode. So the first one is going to be discussing why did you get sober? So if you would like to participate, go to the Share Podcast website. On the right-hand side of the page, you will see a leave a voicemail button. Click on that button, leave us the reason why you got sober, or let us know the next topic you'd like to discuss, and we will play that on the next episode. Now back to the show. First, I want to read a few emails that I received since the last episode of Rule 62. The first one is from Kim. She says, hey, oh, love your podcast. Really like the format. Don't change a thing. I especially like the questions you ask every guest. How did alcohol or drugs make you feel? And tell us about your life today. Oh, and I like the book suggestions, too. I guess I missed the ranting podcast. Did that get taken down? <laughs> it sure did. <laughs> Not having heard it. I can only give general advice about ranting and or cussing. As far as cussing, I'm not really offended by it in meetings. And I do drop an F-bomb every now and then. But the longer I stay sober, the less I really want to. This program has taught me how to be a lady and impeccable with my words, i.e. four agreements. I am very conscious of what I put into my head. Garbage in, garbage out. I love your podcast because it's uplifting and powerful and focuses on the solution. There is power in words. Words carry a frequency to get really woo-woo on you. Your podcast has high frequency. It's amazing. What we surround ourselves with, we become. As far as the rant goes, I'm going to try again tonight to find that podcast because I missed it. I probably wouldn't have thought anything about it. Although when I was first coming in, I would have been scared. Everything scared me, especially emotions. At this point in my recovery, my view is that we all have shadows. Just because we are clean and sober doesn't make us perfect or immune. When I was new to AA, I would be shocked when someone in the program would do something offensive or stupid. Then I heard someone say, why would we be surprised? AA is not a hotbed of mental health. Makes me laugh every time I think of it. Prime example of not taking yourself too seriously. We are all in recovery just trying to get better. You do a wonderful job with this podcast. Please keep up the great work and thank you for all you do. HP baby, Kim. Speaking of uplifting, that was an amazing email. 
Thank you, Kim. Uh, I really appreciate it. And yes, I did take it down. And it's a lot about what you just said in this email, which is that words have power. And I really felt that the place where I was coming from and the ranting and the, and the raving and the rage that was displayed on the podcast could give a bad impression of who I am. And I wouldn't want to deter anyone from listening to the podcast simply because that may have been the first episode that they heard from me and just thought I was a raving lunatic. And Kim, I hope you're listening to this episode because it's about to get much more woo-woo-y on you, okay? <laughs> All right, so moving forward to our next email. The next email we have is from Steve O, and he says, Hey O, I just started listening in the past month, and I have been binge listening to all of your past episodes as I travel around the country on business. I think you have the best recovery podcast out there. Thank you, Steve. You have become a huge part of my recovery program. My travel schedule has been brutal with my flying at night and arriving at my hotel past midnight and working through the day. It makes it hard for me to catch meetings on the road, so your program really helps keep me grounded. I think your podcast is perfect as it is now. I like the balance between NA and AA. I'm just an old-fashioned drunk, so I like to hear the other perspective as well. It reinforces my belief that we are all the same, just addicts to more. I am fine with the cussing. It is a podcast, not a meeting in a church basement. I certainly do not want you to start self-censoring. Just keep being yourself. I'm coming up on four years of sobriety after 35 years of alcohol abuse. I used alcohol to help with PTSD after my tour of duty in Beirut, Lebanon with the U.S. Marines. I went on to have a successful career in medical device sales, working with the surgeons in, operation, in operating rooms every day, either with a severe hangover or still under the influence from the night before. I finally came to terms with my disease when I had to help my son, who also suffers from our disease. Sobriety has been awesome. In my mid-50s, I learned to surf and to sail. My brother and I sailed nonstop from the Bahamas to the U.S. on a 36-hour marathon sail. It's a great story. I would be happy to share it if you ever need an extra interview. Your brother in sobriety, Steve. Steve, I already sent you an email, man, to get you scheduled in there. So absolutely, I want to get this story. And again, thank you so much for the feedback. My view will always remain the same. That doesn't matter what 12-step fellowship you're in, HP is in every single one of them. I look forward to getting you on the show, Steve. Okay, so now the next email is from Jennifer, and she writes, Good morning, O. I am listening to Rule 62 Part 2, and I wanted to email you to let you know that this is my absolute favorite recovery podcast. I'm one month away from five years clean, God willing, and have listened to a ton of recovery podcasts, but yours is fantastic. I love it. Thank you so much, Jennifer. I really think that if people were offended by cussing on the podcast or in meetings, they need to reevaluate their own program. Principles before personalities. I live in Billings, Montana, and I also go to NA and AA, and I have caught a lot of slack for doing so. But it's okay, because I know I'm not the only one who attends both fellowships. I just wanted to let you know that I wouldn't change anything about the podcast. You do a great job of carrying the message. Thank you so much for your service, Jennifer. You know, what's so wonderful lately is that there's such congruency between all the listeners and, and my own point of view about N-A-A-A-C-A-M-A. It doesn't matter. And it really does bother me when someone chooses to take your inventory because you go to more than one fellowship. The only requirement for membership is the desire to stop using. 
or drinking or smoking weed or whatever it is. It's not that you only go to this fellowship. Principles before personalities. I'm right behind you, Jennifer. And thank you again for this wonderful feedback. And finally, one more email before we jump into my panel discussion with Barbara, Melissa, and my wife, Marcella. And this one is from Stephanie. Hey, oh, thanks for all you do. I'm extremely motivated to end the silence and stigma on alcoholism and addiction. So I'd like to share my story on the Share podcast in the hopes of helping someone out there suffering. Sober Nation shared my story on their Facebook page, and I have been unbelievably inspired to spread the word about the wonderful recovery world. It's definitely a God thing that I came across your podcast. Here's my story. Stephanie, I can't wait to have you on the show. She's already scheduled for an interview. So I'm very much looking forward to hearing her share her story. And that wraps up our email feedback for the week. And now the panel discussion, spirituality versus religion. Uh, Today's episode is dedicated to Fenina. Fenina is from Mauritius, and she has eight weeks of sobriety. Fenina writes, I just want to say that your podcast, as well as that of Paul and Shane, have been a tremendous help to me the last eight weeks. Listening to you guys and your guests give me the willingness to continue on my recovery journey. I want to have what you guys have. I'm also lucky to have a very supportive AA community in Martus. They gave me a warm welcome, lots of love, and I'm working my steps with my sponsor. One subject which would be interesting for me is the importance of spirituality, not religion, in sobriety. As a newcomer, I first misunderstood spirituality with religion, and that sort of put me off. Luckily, I had a good sponsor, and also my HP was already active in my life. But just like sobriety, spirituality is very new and unknown to me. I'm hungry to know more, and this is one of the crucial things which is keeping me sober. I am convinced that if I drink again, I will move away from my HP. I am conscious that this subject is vast, but some guidelines based on different people's stories will also be grateful. In any case, I want to say a big thank you. You rock, man. Your podcast is a godsend to many people around the world. Take care. HP baby, Fenina. Thank you so much again, Fenina. And just a quick side note, this interview was recorded on the beach in Manuel Antonio, Costa Rica. So some of the recording has a lot of the waves in the background. So I had to do some re-recordings of my part. And in certain areas, it's going to be really tough uh, to hear what the ladies are saying. But for the most part, it's all pretty clear. All right. So without any further ado, let's get started. Say hello, ladies. Hi, ladies. Okay, wonderful. Okay, so uh, the topic, spirituality over religion. We were talking about this just last night, right, Barb? Was it last night we were talking about this? Yes, you were. We've been talking about it for the past couple days. Okay. I guess I'll jump in and think. I, I never really, when I came into the meetings, I never really thought about it as religion. I, never, I hung on to the group. The group was really my spirituality for a long time. And then I acted as if for a while. And then, you know, it's changed over the years. Um, It's gone from a Buddhist feeling to, you know, I had St. Francis of Sissy because I loved his animal, the whole animal thing. Um, I used to ride 
when I was in Marin, and I remember being on a horse, and it was the first time I was five years sober, I was 40, I just turned 40, and I was on a horse, and I got to the top of this, right overlooking San Francisco, and I thought, I get it. Now that's five years, and I got something. I can't, it never, I never thought of it as religion. I was a Catholic. You know, I had left the church years ago, so it was really difficult for me to really think of AA as anything that wasn't religious. I still, like this morning when I woke up, you know, we got, I got up in this view, and there's my spirituality. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm at peace. My gratitude is my... Every day that I wake up that I'm grateful, there's my spirituality. You know, I'm at peace. I was not at peace when I was drinking. I was never at peace when I was drinking. I was always looking for things. And this morning, I didn't want, I didn't want for anything. So that's where my spirituality is. For those of you that are listening, you can't see where we're at. But it's difficult to have a lack of gratitude when you're in Manuel Antonio, Costa Rica, overlooking the ocean on a, this amazing beach house. It's easy to talk about gratitude yeah. and being grateful when we live a life beyond our wildest dreams. And it really had nothing to do with any form of religion whatsoever. It was about us developing spirituality. You know, as a matter of fact, even when I, sometimes you're filling out forms to, online for something and they ask you, what religious denomination are you? Mm. And I'm going down this whole yeah. list of things I and I think about, Oh, you know what? Maybe I should be Buddhist on this one, right? Like, I'm always Buddhist. I'm always Buddhist. Oh, yeah. But there's actually Buddhist. a section that says spirituality, not religion, or just oh, spirituality. Really? Yeah, and I yet. always check that one. I don't know if any of you guys have seen that, but I, there's. I was lucky. I wasn't raised with any religion at all. I mean, you know, and some people would say that's not lucky, but um, so I never really believed in anything, and I was always interested in science and, you know, thought that science sort of proved that there was, you know, there were, every, science had an answer for all the questions that religion asked. And so when I came into the program, I was uh, 61 years old, so pretty hard in my, in my set ways. And I thought, uh, you know, I, I, I was so desperate, I had to get the, I had to get it, because I, I would, I, I'd been drinking for most of my life. And I came in and I felt like I was in a cult. They had a Bible-looking book, you know, it was, and they had these little sayings that they had, and they had their 12 steps, like the Ten Commandments, and all of this. And I was like, it doesn't matter. I have to get, I have to get help. If I'm in a cult now and I'm going to carry around a book, then that's, if, if it means I'm sober doing that, then that's okay. And I had a lot of problems because I saw that the, that the program had a lot to do with spirituality, and I felt, you know, I was dead spiritually, and I had never experienced anything like that. And then I had a series of things happen that um, I would refer to before as a coincidence. And for me, that is the basis of how I started to sort of awaken, I guess is how I would say it. Um, and I realized that there are no coincidences. And I started looking back over my life over really odd coincidences that happened. And I thought, you know, maybe those things happen for a reason. Maybe things are trying to move in a direction that are straightening me out. You know, those coincidences were, a lot of times they were literally life-saving coincidences. And I started to pay attention a lot to coincidences. 
And for me, the difference between spirituality and religion, religion is an external thing, and it involves a lot of people, and it's a very external thing. Spirituality is an internal thing, something that you have all by yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a very personal and an internal feeling. And people will, every, you, you know, if you have 100 people in a room, you'll have 100 different descriptions of spirituality because it's an internal relationship that you have with the outside world, and that doesn't have to do with anybody else. It's your own experience with the universe, really. Like I said, you know, I think scientifically a lot, and I've started to think in a much bigger concept. There's a, I would like to recommend a YouTube video called The Overlook Effect, and it was, it's what's happened with astronauts, when they, and they all share this. When they go into, to, into orbit or into space, and they see the Earth as a single organism, and, it's, and, you don't, you know, and they all experience this, and they have a very profound effect on them, whether they're religious or not religious, or what spirituality they have, but they see the Earth as a single organism and realize that how interrelated everything is in it. And I think that your spirituality is how you connect yourself to that organism. That, and when you find that, you find some peace, and you find some meaning. I think, you know, and I, my advice always to any newcomers or anybody is start paying attention to the coincidences, you know, really pay attention to the coincidences and you can learn a lot. Well, you know, you have a very beautiful story, Melissa. I don't know if you want to share it, but the John P. story. Okay. Yeah, that is a, a magnificent yeah, that, H.P. I story. I thought you were going to share that. Yeah. Please. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, I had, um, I had very little sobriety. I had about a month. And my first day in the meeting, I got my 24-hour chip, which I still carry with me. It's very important to me, the 24-hour chip, because it was really the decision. And um, this man named John P. in our group gave it to me. And a couple days later, we went out for lunch, and I found out that he was from a town called Lenore, North Carolina. Well, when I was a kid, we lived in Blowing Rock, North Carolina, which is right next door. Now, here I am in Costa Rica, and there's a guy from Lenore, North Carolina, and I got and about three weeks later, I come into the meeting, and the meeting is all about the terrible thing that happened to John. And it turns out that John is in prison now in Costa Rica for, it, I'm not going to go into the story, but it was, it, was a, it was something he didn't do. It's a terrible thing to be there. So um, they said, you know, could people please write, you know, he's in there by himself, would people write him a letter, it would mean a lot. And I thought, well, yeah, you know, I can write a letter to John. And I had a, a book that was about an interesting book about a guy who had spent time in prison, and it was informative. And I, so I sent that with a letter to him. And the following week, I was a Saturday, and I was trying to work 12 steps very quickly because I was leaving the country. And my sponsor had me write a letter to God. And, you know, I was had no connection, and I start the letter, I'll, Hello? Hello? Where are you? You know, are you really there? If you're there, maybe you could send me a sign, even just perhaps a letter. So I'm pounding this out really quickly because we have a 9 o'clock meeting, and I wanted, I'm meeting my sponsor after the meeting. So I finish it and jump in the car, race to the meeting, and I sit down, and right before the meeting starts, the person who was taking care of John's needs in prison comes over and hands me a letter from John. And I lost it. I just broke down in tears and absolutely, you know, it was just like, I mean, God spoke to me right then. Yeah. Hello, yeah. you know, it was like, okay, you asked for a letter. Here's your Here's letter. letter. <laughs> All right. You, get it. Get with it. you got it now? And I just, and I, you know, I still struggle with my spirituality. 
I mean, because it's not, it's an unknown. It's not yeah. like you can suddenly go to the encyclopedia and look under S and now you have it. Yeah. And there's a picture and everything and you can put it away. You never really know what it is. So if you're looking one day, I mean, maybe maybe the Dalai Lama and the Pope have it under the control. <laughs> but I think most of us no, always struggle with it. And it's not, it's not ever, there's no answers yeah. to it. But it's finding peace. For me, it's like I said, it's finding peace with there's a, the things are trying to work out. Things are trying to work out. And when I was using and drinking, I was just blocking that. I was blocking that. And if some crazy coincidence happened, it was like, oh, that's a crazy coincidence. You know, I believed in chaos. I didn't believe in any kind of order. I believed in the theory of chaos. And it made a lot of sense to me. But now I don't know about that anymore. Now it seems like things are, things are moving in a direction, and they're trying to move in a direction. And when you're using, you lose all that. Was it was a powerful thing. Pay attention to coincidence. Yeah, and 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 also remember that it changes. It changes daily. Spirituality just changes. Yeah. It never stays the same. And and there are people that focus. You know, they become Christians. They become Buddhists in this program, and they find a path. But some of us don't find the path. Some of us have different. I sit next to people that are Christians, and they believe the church is going to. You know, they're in meetings, and the church is the right thing. And you know, some I I've gone to atheist meetings. You know, I. I mean, they're still sober. There's in San Francisco. I went, you know, and they're they're still sober, and they they have found their spirituality in different in different areas. So, I agree. I mean, I, I just think you can't find it in one place. And so, Marcella, where's your spirit? You me out. Where's your? Yeah, where, where's your? <laughs> oh, you know, my wife no, is no, so no. spiritual. No, no, I know. I watched you. This she morning. is. Got, I mean, you're, yes. you're meditating. You're you're doing yoga. You're you know. I admire that. I I wish I had that. I wish I could. I would love to do yoga. I want to start doing yoga, so I'm open to that because I, I feel like I need more. So I look at you as a very extremely spiritual person. Well, I, I like the music, and it's, it's never, it's, it hasn't been like this always. I was brought up Catholic, and, you know, you get all of these ideas about punishing God and mm -hmm. feeling guilty for not, you know, being a good daughter or being, whatever, not being good enough, not being mm -hmm. spiritual enough, not being kind enough, not being anything enough. And mm -hmm. and you grow up with that, so it's not a friendly God. So at some point, yeah, I said, I'm, I'm not interested in religion anymore. I'll find it somewhere else. And I, I went also into the very scientific, like very pragmatic lifestyle and yeah at some point at some point it became clear that that it wasn't it wasn't that and uh, and I I went through something mm -hmm. uh, seven years ago seven years ago I got kidnapped yeah you didn't know that you he doesn't tell people I don't that. tell that's not my story <laughs> that's not, your it's story? not my story oh my to tell yeah, Whenever you I, want to tell it, here here's a good opportunity. Oh yeah, I guess yeah. I guess yeah. this is as good a time as any. Okay, so I got kidnapped when I was I was working late. I was very focused on my career, and uh, I was working late. I had this boss from hell, <laughs> <laughs> and I I was it was around midnight when I was driving home. I got intercepted by a car with a I I just figured he was like speeding or something. And they intercepted me, and right, right when I was getting home, and um, they intercepted me, and the two guys with guns got out of the car, 
and they asked me to, to get out of the car. So I figured, they're stealing the car. Fine. Vaya con Dios. Enjoy it. Half tank. It's suyo. Yeah. Enjoy. So I was like, oh, okay, don't worry. And they said, no, you're coming with us. And so I, I started freaking out and I, I started screaming and it was midnight, so nobody heard. And uh, so they just, of course, overpowered me and, and just threw me in the back seat. And, uh, and some guy got in, in the back seat with me and the other guy took the car and they started driving. When, when, when I was thrown there, my thought was, okay, this could be it. This could be my last night. And there came this serenity, like absolute, complete serenity. And I was completely at peace, 100% present. And I, I <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, I dealt with the situation as best as I could, which everybody, after the police and stuff say it was just remarkable because I, I was present, I was assertive, I was thinking what I should say next mm -hmm. because, you know, they, they tried to trick you and ask you things and that kind of thing. So it was, it was just to steal money from my ATM. They didn't, they didn't touch me, they didn't do anything to me, but, you know, they held me against my will. And, uh, and, and yeah, after a few hours, they, they let me go with my car. So I got in the front seat. Huh, I remember this. This is a good part. When all throughout the situation, they, were, they weren't like mean, mean to me. Mm -hmm. They were all in all kind, mm -hmm. sort of. Uh, and uh, at the end, they said, um, they, they said goodbye, and they said, okay, uh, God bless you. And I said, God bless you too. And, uh, and they left. And so I got in the front seat and I drove home. I drove to the office actually, because they have security there. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and then I broke down. You like lost Oh yeah, I, was, I lost it for some time. But anyway, the, the point of the story was that that has been the moment in my life when I've been more connected to God. So I know, it's, I know it has nothing to do with the church. I know it has nothing to do with commandments mm -hmm. and rules. And, and in any situation, if I'm, I'm there, present, and connected, then, then I'm with God. And that's, you know... That's wow. my religion. It's incredible. <laughs> it's, it's, incredible. Incredible story. it's incredible. Yeah. Incredible. So yeah, that's my story. <laughs> <laughs> that's quite a story. I'm like, wow. I'm a little bored. Well, again, that's not my story. It's my wife's story. But I remember how impactful it was when she told me that story. And it's a lot of what brings what brought us together. This yeah. this very strong, mm -hmm. had life threatening yeah. situations for me. You know, I. I almost died in the, the grips of addiction. And uh, she was in a situation where some people, a lot worse happens. Uh, but in that moment, you find your spirituality because yeah. that's what we're talking about here. We're talking mm -hmm. about spirituality. And for me, whenever the, the topic of religion comes up, 
especially when it comes to the religion I was raised in, I become so defensive, so angry, so resentful. I have to physically take myself away from those situations because if I indulge even a little bit in the conversation of religion, then it, it, will, it, it just becomes something very, 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 very negative because for me, there's never been anything positive that came with being in a religion, nothing. I didn't connect spiritually. I didn't connect with God. I didn't develop any kind of morals or ethics or values or principles at all when I was in religion. But Omar, you also have to remember there are people that that works for them. So, you know, acceptance is also understanding that. There are people in the rooms. I mean, I can name four in our rooms that are members of a church. Not a church that I've ever even walked through the doors in. But, you know, they're, they serenity because they need that structure. I mean, I was talking to um, your friend the other day who's a preacher. Oh, Kim. Yeah, Kim. And, you know, I was talking to him. He's a preacher. And I got so much peace talking to him. I mean, I don't believe what he believes, but I, you know, just that softness in his voice. I mean, Pastor Paul at the church that we go. You know, I just can talk to him. I've, I've sat and talked to him one time. I talked for him an hour. And I mean, he's not my pastor, but I was paying for the rent, and I just sat. I had an issue. I thought, yes, this guy. He gave me such great advice. Well, you know? That's great. I used to be really jealous when because I hadn't been raised with anything. I was, when you were talking about your story and when you had that sense of peace, I had probably the most spiritual. It goes back to John P. And there was something really wrong with this man. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we know now he has his, Waiting the final trial. He had been released from prison already because there wasn't the right evidence, and it was it was clear that he was going to be acquitted. But he had written to the authorities to say, please, you know, can I well, he had asked his lawyer, am I gonna be able to go out just to get he said, I'll come back for the trial, because he really felt he was such a strong member of the program that he couldn't lie and cheat, so he had to stay here and mm-hmm. face the music. He, he really everybody advised him get out of town if you can, get out, get out. And he was like, no, no, I, I have to stay here and do it. So his lawyer said, there's no way they'll let you go back and get any kind of treatment. You're going to have to wait for the trial. And he was, he was, you could see he was dying. And um, so we know some people and we arranged to get him to the border and arranged to get him out of the country. And it was about 12 hours. He couldn't call me. I was terrified. I was there. If they caught him, it was a certain death sentence. He was going to go to jail. And it was a very terrifying... I had 12 hours of, of not knowing what was happening to him. I was expecting the call. I thought it would happen much sooner than it happened. And I prayed and talked to God like I never have in my life. Mm-hmm. And I really had... And it was like, I couldn't tell anybody. No one knew. Only my husband knew what was going on. And... Only he knew what was happening, and he's very relaxed. Don't worry, he's going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I didn't have, I, well, I talked to my sponsor who's here, Barbara. She was in England at the mm-hmm. time. And I don't know if I told you after. You or, told me after. You okay. called me immediately after and just went. <sighs> I was just, I was in terror for like 12 hours. And so I was talking to God. I was yeah. so close to God during mm-hmm. that, those moments. And, you know, that's, that's kind of my problem, is that, you know, it's, and I think this is a lot of people's problem, that when they need something or they're afraid or they're in trouble, they talk to God, and then when everything is going fine, they kind of 
I got yeah, this. I got this exactly. They don't. They don't do it. And so that's something I try to do. Is I try, and you do it. I think you do that through gratitude. Mm-hmm. Is you you when you're grateful, you're you are talking to God, you know, and you recognize that it's that things are trying to move in a good direction, and it's not all in your control. That you know, if you pay attention, things are trying to move in a good direction. You know. There's an old AA thing about the Eskimo looking for God, and he falls into a hole. Probably people have heard this. He falls into a hole, and he can't get out, and he prays to God. God, help me. So the guy comes by, and he says, can I help you? He says, no, no, I'm waiting for God. And a little, someone else comes by, and he says, let me, let me get the dogs down and pull you up. You know, let me, no, no, I'm waiting for God. And he ends up dying. Make a long story short, and he says, "God, where were you? I sent everybody to get John <laughs> freaking home." You know, that's basically what John is. You know, it's you know, these are all people. These are all, and that's really important. I mean, we all have angels in our lives. I mean, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say that I don't think there's anything wrong with asking for help when you need it, yeah. just when you need it. I mean, you don't have to be like on your knees every single. universe or whatever we're not i don't think we're here to like for carry a burden or to ask for forgiveness or to be religious or to be on our knees all the time i think we're here to live our lives and you know sometimes we don't need help and sometimes we do when we connect to god everything is easier but it's our choice if we want to make it easier or make it a little difficult. You know, it's part of life. It's part of the experience. Right. And you learn, and every time you walk against the wall, you you learn that, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe mm-hmm. I should have asked for help. And then you learn, and next time you, you ask for help. Yeah, and that's fine. You know, it's it's not a... You haven't been talking to me for a month. <laughs> so where have you been? Punish you. Yeah. Where have you been? <laughs> it's like with the letter. You know, it was, okay, send me a letter, and here's okay. your letter. That's such a beautiful story. And I equate that with being a parent. That's how I was raised. I was re- My mother was just like the religion. It's always a series of guilt and consequences. And you should be doing this. And if you don't do this, then you're a bad person. Manipulation and if I, through it's guilt. Yeah. Manipulation yeah. through guilt. And you know, I don't do that with my daughter. So I equate my God with the same way that I raise my daughter, which is absolutely unconditional love. If she calls me and says, Dad, I need you. I really, really need you. I'm not going to say, honey, what do you mean you need me? You haven't called me in like two weeks. Okay? Like maybe you should try calling me every once in a while a little sooner. Then maybe I'd help you. You know, I, I, she's not done with the phone. And I'm like, where are you? And I'm coming to get you whatever you need. I will do whatever it takes for my daughter. You know, when I got into the program, my sponsor asked me, what does your God look like, feel like, smell like? Mm -hmm. Just tell me what it is your God is to you. Mm -hmm. If you could choose your God, what would that be? And I said, well, of course. He's loving and caring and forgiving, and he's always got my back. He's always got my back. He's always there for me. And my sponsor looked at me from across the table and goes, great, that's your God. And the simplicity behind that, when someone has two weeks sober or clean, to hear someone say that to you, it's like, it killed everything for me. All the angst, all the resentment, all the bitterness about God and the religion and this and that, it was gone. 
because all of a sudden I realized I had a choice. And for the first time in my life, I had a choice in the role that spirituality and God played in my life. And all of a sudden I was in love. I was in love and HP baby was, was born from that because I remember when I got deep into the program, like heavy into the program, I started sponsoring. I was chairing meetings. I was GSR. I was go. I mean, I was like a, an, a, just another addict in recovery, but like addicted to the program. I was doing meetings seven days a week in my first year. I did not have a life outside this program. So I got so involved into it and I was picking up sponsees left and right. And I remember one of the mothers of one of the kids I was sponsoring. She comes up to me and she goes, thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for what you've done for my son. And I said, I wish, I wish I could take credit for this. I wish I can't. I can't take credit for any of it. None of it. If you want to thank anybody, thank God or your higher power, you know, HP. You can't take blame either. No. That's a good one. But I just, I just think there's, you know, it's the, I think AANA is the only organization or any of the 12 step programs that you can pick your God. There's no right or wrong. It's what you believe to be your God. I mean, People with in their 20, 20, 30 years still believe the group is their God. That's fine. And yeah, that's exactly. Fine. And, you know, they keep the group as their God. And they go to meetings and they feel at peace when they walk into meetings. They get their spirituality there. The most important thing about spirituality, bringing it into the rooms, is that you don't push people out exactly. of the room like they do in religions. Exactly. You know, we were just talking about the Our Father prayer being indoctrinated Absolutely. into the meetings where... You know, um, I know Melissa had a good point where it was like, if it, if one person, if only one person gets turned off by closing the meeting with the, our father prayer, then we need to stop it. No one has ever had a problem ever with the serenity prayer ever. I've never heard. uh, There was never been a meeting where they said, okay, we've got to talk about getting rid of the serenity. prayer." They use the we, they, some groups who say we only do the we version of the serenity prayer. there. I have been there. Really? I mean, there's always, yeah, it's just the we, I know, I know, but you're right. You're absolutely right. There's, we're talking about a group of alcoholics. Yeah. There's always conflict at some point, (laughs) you know, be nice to think there wasn't any conflict, but well, yeah, because, is, again, you're talking about something that there's no rules for. You can't go, again, you can't go to the rule book and say, I mean, there's there's guidelines for something, but basically to really, right. uh, to get the program, the real essence of the program is an internal, again, it's an, it's inter- an internal yes. job. It's an internal job. It's not, there's not anything that anybody can take you to the place and, and show you and then you and have the it. the only requirement is desire to yeah, stop. Desire, That's desire. it. And usually, you know, desperation takes you to the desire. We take ourselves so damn seriously all the yeah. time, and yeah. we're garden variety drug addicts and alcoholics. Period. We, you know, I, and I get so. This is where I get on my soapbox because I'm like, do you, did you, did you forget where the fuck you came from? Okay, like you came from the streets, dying in a gutter. You crawled into a meeting where a bunch of other drunks were there to welcome you in and say, "Welcome, keep coming back." You have a place. Here's some free coffee. Here's a chair. Just sit here and listen. And then all of a sudden, you get 10 years under your belt, and you start giving directions. It can happen earlier. Anyway. Okay, so uh, are we good? We're good.
Ladies, thank you so much for joining us today on the Rule 62 episode. Barbara, Melissa, my beautiful wife, Marcella, it's been an honor and a privilege. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Share Recovery Podcast. To check out the show notes page on this interview or to thank our guests for sharing their story, go to www.thesharepodcast.com. While you're on the website, don't forget to sign up for our free newsletter to stay up to date on the latest news, podcasts, and interviews. Want to be one of our guests and share your story? Then go to our website and click on the Share Your Story button. We share our inspiring recovery stories every Tuesday. So subscribe to our show on iTunes or Stitcher Radio to get your free weekly download. We'll see you then. The opinions shared on this show reflect those of the individual speaker and not of any 12-step fellowship as a whole. And though we discuss 12-step recovery and the impact it had in our lives, we do not promote or endorse any 12-step anonymous program. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you, Omar.